welcome to the Ladies Kicking Ass podcast, where we raise our voices and honor the badass achievements of women in the service industry. Get ready for empowering conversations, inspiring stories, and a whole lot of ass-kicking energy. Join us as we redefine what it means to be bold, fearless, and unapologetically Y-O-U, babe. This is your platform, your community, and your source of inspiration. So buckle up, get ready to rock and roll, and let's show this world just how much we can accomplish. Welcome to the Ladies Kicking Ass Podcast. Hello, ladies. I'm so excited for you to be able to listen to this conversation today because we've got another home service industry babe in the house. Amy Feller is our guest today, and she is the owner of Roofer Chicks, which is an incredibly awesome roofing company that is not only owned and ran by a female, but we're going to have a good conversation today about getting women in those labor positions or technician positions in the roofing industry, which I think is something that is so incredibly cool, different. I'm sure it comes with its own set of challenges, but I'd love so much, Amy, if you could just kind of fill us in on your backstory, like how the hell did you get into roofing and why did you want to start an all-female kind of roofing company? Give us your backstory. So I got started in roofing. I have an older brother. His name is Scott. He's five years older than me. And I have spent most of my life following him around and doing whatever he's doing. And we were both going to Iowa State University at the same time for college. And he was a construction engineering major working at Pizza Hut on the weekends. And one of his friends told him that if he wanted to make more money, he should start a roofing crew. So he did. And um, that first summer, I didn't work with him. He had his pregnant sister-in-law picking up the grounds and throwing things in the dumpster for trash. And it was just him and her. The next summer came around and she had had her baby. And so he needed somebody to pick up trash, basically. <laughs> so I said that I would do it. And I went to work with him. And even, I mean, th that was in 94. So women in, there were some women in roofing, but not a lot. It was kind of unheard of. And picking up the ground seemed like a good girl job. And uh, probably about a month in, we went out to a house where the customer was being extremely difficult up in everybody's faces and yelling. And, and we were kids. We <laughs> Now I wouldn't put up with that, but back then we put up with it. And um, all the guys were too afraid to get on the roof because he had everybody intimidated. And I said that I would get on the roof. I didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to get away from him. That was my motivation. So I went up on the roof and me and this other guy who did know what he was doing, we roofed the whole roof. And so that got me promoted to work on the roof. And I worked on the roof the rest of that summer. And then I ran the crew the next two summers. And then we got real jobs after that. We graduated and got real jobs. So my background is in logistics. And also I have a degree in German which is pretty random, but I went to work for Caterpillar and I hated it. And my brother went to work uh, building prisons and he hated it. So after two years, he called and asked if I wanted to move to Austin, Texas, because it was booming and start a general contracting company. So we came down to Austin and we, I say we went bankrupt. <laughs> uh, the labor market was a lot different uh our tools kept getting stolen it was we couldn't pay our bills which doesn't overly bother my brother he has a different personality type than me it, it gives me a lot of anxiety when i can't pay my bills and so after two years 
I left and uh, went and did something else. And I did that. So that was like 2002. I did that for 10 years. And in 2012, I was a single mom. I'd gone through a divorce. My daughter was four and I was working for Coca-Cola 12 hour days with an hour commute on both sides of that. And uh, I was seeing her like 30 minutes a day tops. And my boss was extremely difficult. There was no room for me to go anywhere for promotion. It, I was kind of, I, I was stuck uh, and I hated it. And so I called him one day crying and said, there has to be more to life than this. This, this can't be what it is. And he and his wife convinced me to start over with them. So we started all over again in 2012. So that's kind of been my story. I've kind of been in and out of it a little bit. Awesome. Was the inspiration behind starting your current company? So I worked with him and his wife for four years and we got a little sideways. And so I split off from him and, um, I had always had roofer chick in the back of my truck just as a joke. He actually did it as a joke and it took off. And like, I became known around my town as the roofer chick, but my company name was Feller Roofing. And when I broke off from him, I kept the name because I, I didn't have time to be creative. <laughs> I just had to get going and get all the things in place and go. And so after a couple of years, um, it, it, it morphed into that. It was a pretty easy transition. And in 2021, I decided to rebrand it and call it Roofer Chicks. It's a lot more memorable. Uh, roofing companies are always somebody's first name or last name and then roofing. And then they draw a little house over the top and that's your logo. And that's like, yeah, that's, I, it's getting better. But five years ago, that was 90% of roofing companies. And I just wanted to be something different. I wanted something that maybe I could sell one day or franchise one day. And so I, I felt like I needed to get my name off of it. Um, and in 2020 was when I started trying to get females to come do labor positions. So it was, it was just a natural progression. Very cool. So I want to dive into that with you, if you're open to that, because I'm dying to know what is your recruiting strategy to get women to come work on the labor side of your roofing company? Well, it is not easy. I started by way back then in 2020, I kept having this idea, but I felt like I didn't have any money to put behind it. Uh, and I went into a mom's group that I'm a member of on Facebook and just said, Hey, I've been toying with the idea of trying to get women to work and do this. And do you think that's stupid? And, and all these other moms got really excited about it. And some of them even referred some people that they thought would be good at it. And so that gave me the encouragement, um, to go ahead and try and pursue it. And I worked with my manufacturer partner, GAF, and they set up some training and so I started with four girls. Uh, I don't have any of those four girls today. I had one of them uh, until this summer. I lost the last one. So uh, in other places, we've tried recruiting. I mean, Facebook has been a big one, just going out there and encouraging them. Uh, we've done a little bit of Indeed, but that's not, I do that more for office. It's word of mouth. Uh, some of the girls that work for me will, you know, have friends or whoever uh, and they bring them in um it's hard because like women will get excited about it and then their spouse or their friends or their brother or whoever talks them out of it before i can even talk to them but, and and that's a challenge They're yes like, you can't do that and like yes you can do that 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So much around that just <laughs> in itself, because I think I'm going to be real transparent with you too. Like it is very interesting with that male, female, um, personality in a home service company. Do you agree? Yes. And there's a lot of advantages to being a female in the industry. Uh, I've had female salespeople for a long time and, and I've done sales in, you know, in my career path, I did sales for quite a while and I loved it. And uh, homeowners love women coming in. Uh, husbands who are at work all day and their wife is getting the bid. They love the idea of sending a woman out there so their wife is more comfortable. Uh, generally, and, and it isn't across the board. I have men that work for me too, and they're great. But like just generalities, uh, as a salesperson, the, the female salesperson is better at explaining to the female homeowner the intricacies of the roof and what they're buying instead of I, I hate to say it, but a lot of men just say, well, talk to your husband and call me back. And, and they just hand them a piece of paper and that's it. And so we talked through all of it, like the components and, you know, how it works and why you want this brand versus that brand. And don't talk to them like they're stupid because, well, we know we're not. <laughs> we can handle this. Right there. That's it. Right there. I get so many people that do that because in my septic company, it is very much like, the foundation of this business that I built on was education for the homeowners, education for these commercial customers that we serve. That is what sets us apart from the other people because this industry is extremely just like roofing, very male dominated. I'm the only female 100% owner in the state of Arizona. So it is one of those where it's like, 80% of the women that call into my, or people that call into my office are women. They don't know what they need. Lots of times I was on the phone for years. I've been in this for 15 years. The husband's in the background telling her what to say, listening on speaker, but he's not on the phone. She's on the phone. And then you're like trying to have this huge conversation between kind of between one and a half people. Um, I have found great value in what women bring to the team, not only being out in the field and explaining stuff, because I love to go out and walk customers through their systems and things. They're like, no one has ever explained this to me before. And even training my male service technicians that go out, this is how we explain it to the customers. I think that females bring this level of caring and, and a human touch to it, where males are like, let me just get this shit done and I'll be on my way. Do you see that with your industry too? I definitely do. And at the end of the day, the, the woman is often the decision maker anyway. So you, you don't see it. That happens in the shadows behind the scenes. But that, And with roofing, and I'm sure the same with septic and maybe most home services, like a lot of people, even men who know more about it, just think a roof is a roof is a roof. And that's it like a box of Kleenex, they're all the same. And it's not true. So if I educate my homeowner, even if they don't hire me and they hire somebody else, at least they know a little bit more of what they're picking and what they're doing. And I'm not the cheapest. And so I have to educate them about why I cost more. And there's good reasons. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yes. And but the thing is, is that and this is something I think that females get a little bit more Two, like they understand it a little bit more. I'm providing a greater value to my customer, even if it's not sweat out there in the field. 
but it's knowledge that I'm giving you in value that you're not getting somewhere else. I don't apologize or price match in my industry whatsoever. If people call and they say, oh my God, you're like $5,000 more for an install. I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm not the cheapest in town. I understand that. But I will rival anyone in this valley when it comes to service, communication, and getting this job done right the first time. So if that's something that you value, you can see from my reviews that I have quite a track record in this. If pricing is what you value most, I'm not your girl. And that's okay because you cannot be everything to everyone. Cheap, fast, and easy. You know, like one of those little things. You can't have all three. Pick which two you want. Yep. And for my industry too, warranties are a huge deal. So a, a lot of my competitors, most of my competitors won't go back and service a warranty. And they'll find a reason why it isn't their fault. And they'll tell the customer that they have to pay again. And if you hire me and, some, you know, if, if it leaks or whatever, I'm there and I'm going to take care of it. And I have a proven track record of that. And that's a big deal. But people don't think of that on the purchasing end. They're like, ah, eh, warranty. Yes. Yes. Oh, that is a very good point, too. I mean, even when it comes down to, let's just say it's like a workmanship thing that you're dealing with. Maybe they didn't, something wasn't cleaned up the way that they wanted it to. We had our roof done recently, and there were so many damn nails all over my house, like around the property that had just been like flung everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, like something that they could, and I even provided feedback to that roofing company. I was like, just, just food for thought here. I picked up about 50 nails around my property after you guys were here. So maybe that is something like at the end of the service, you guys could walk around and just make sure that, you know, nails that have been flung somewhere or put away. Same thing with the septic company. Make sure, rake the rocks out, make it look nice. Don't just stomp over it and be like, nah, good enough. Like if this was your mama's house, would you leave it looking that way? And that's just kind of how I explain it to people because we want them leaving. We want to leave them being like, holy shit, that's the best service. Not only just septic or roofing, but the best service that has ever come to my house. Yes, that's what we want to make it the best contracting experience they have ever had. Yes. What are some of the little extra things that you do to be able to say confidently that this is going to be the best experience you've ever had? Well, we show up on the day that we say we're going to show up <laughs> and it's sad. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. It's sad that that's a big deal, but it is a really big deal. And that goes from the salesperson at the initial appointment to the crew coming or, you know, things happen. It rains. It's raining right now. But that phone call to let people know that we're not going to come. So communication is huge. Our warranties are really good and we explain them. We don't install like just one manufacturer. And so our people are knowledgeable about, you know, if you get this one versus that one, then what's the difference? And then the workmanship warranty. Uh, we do an amazing job of cleanup and people say it's like we were never even there. We've even had customers say that it's cleaner after we leave than before we came, which can be true. And uh, we're quick and efficient. Uh, uh, average house, we can we do re-roof. We don't really do new construction. And so we, an average house, we can tear off and put back in a day, usually, as long as it's not 110 degrees or, <laughs> or steep, that's steep slows us down. Um, and then that follow-up at the end, uh, we, we have roofer chick red wine made and we deliver that at inspection. And that's kind of a nice finishing touch, but, and we inspect, we go out and inspect every roof at the end of it and make sure that it passes. 
And so just all those little, little touches, they, they add up and they really matter. And we answer the phone too. Like you call it's us. That's another one. That's another one. It, isn't it amazing that in this home service industry, I've been in junk removal. I've worked with roll-off companies. Like I've been in a lot of different home service industries. Um, it really is like that. Just one little extra thing. Like I had a guy that worked for my junk removal company and he pulled this sweet little lady's trash can up to her house. She left us a review everywhere. Didn't have a damn thing to do with the junk removal service, but that Vinny had taken the time to pull her trash can up. That is just something that like struck her like, oh my, this is the best company ever. You know, we she had just one kept where, raving. Um, this and, lady had like a fairy garden set up in her garden and the guys uh-huh. took a picture of it. The crew took a picture of it and, and removed it so nothing would get broken. And then they had so much fun. It was so cute. <laughs> After we were done with the roof, they got the picture out and they we're making sure that they put all these little fairies and these little houses and everything right back in the exactly how she had had them in the first place. And that blew her mind. The guys were having fun though. They thought <laughs> something different. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So I'd love to kind of talk about a little bit too, as far as like how you view, or maybe talk to me a little bit about your management team, if if you have a management team of like, are they females that are in management positions? Is it just you? What does that look like in your business? So I have, I use a lot of subcontractors. That's kind of a Texas market thing. Um, my female laborers, I have to have as W2 because I have to train them and all of that. So I have a little bit of a mix, but I have approximately 20 employees and that shifts from time to time. Uh, so I let my production manager go last year. I've had three production managers and none of them seem to be able to do what I want them to do. So I I've been doing that. Um, and I'm pretty happy doing that. I like doing it. it. I feel like I have my, my finger on the pulse of the organization. I know what's going on and I get to interact with customers. And so so I'm in that management position. Um, we are about 25% male and 75% female. And and then our subcontractor crews are almost all male, but they're run by a female. So her name's Alma. She's great. And she's a subcontractor. She's not an employee, but she's a big manager. And then my I have a field operations manager named Patrick. So he is male. I started a handyman division in January of 2022. And that is ran, and that is uh, I have three people. Well, four, we just, we did add a female, but so, um, Andrew runs that he's male and he has two, um, guys underneath him that do the labor. And then we actually hired a gal. We've been trying to kick off a windows division and I hired a gal to do that. But while we get that going, she's been helping do sales with the handyman. Um, and right now my bookkeeper works remote from Oregon. She was my office manager, but she moved. And so I'm kind of the office manager because she's just so far away. Uh, she also does HR issues though. So I guess we kind of tag team on that. So, and then my sales manager is Megan. Uh, she's been with me for six years and she's fantastic. I don't know what I'd do without her. That is so awesome. So I think this is something with home service companies that is a missing link for sure is that missing sales team. You know, people wait for the phone to ring. If the phone doesn't ring, oh shit, we're not busy. You know, it's kind of slow right now. It's not like you're out 
trying to chase work or get work, you're waiting for work to come in to you. So what did you, if someone is thinking about like deploying or hiring for a, like a a sales position inside of your business, what did you look for? What were your expectations for that person? Uh, So, sorry, I am trying to, I, it just started raining really hard and I'm having a hard time hearing. So I just turned up my volume. It's okay. I was just, it's, it's drowning everything out. So you're asking what I'm looking for when I hire somebody for sales. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Megan came to me, uh, originally six years ago. She, uh, well, she wasn't my first hire, but she stuck. Obviously she came from, I don't really like hiring people with roofing experience because every roofing company prefers certain brands and we brainwash our people to also prefer those brands. And so I want to brainwash them with my brands and I've tried to hire people from other roofing companies. I'm not hundred percent about this. Um, but it's hard to get them to switch gears when they've been selling stuff their way for so long. Megan came with a background in flooring, so she understood construction and it's, it's not that different except the roof versus the floor you're up in the air. So she just like, she has a construction brain. Uh, and then I hired her cousin. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of nepotism around here, but I hired her cousin. Her background is in law enforcement and she's amazing a whole different kind of personality she's really good with insurance companies and getting that processing paperwork and she's very like down to business um and very efficient and she's she's my best salesperson actually courtney is but megan has extra duties because she's also a manager and then um adrian sold harley davidson so um and then so and he's male adrian and then I just hired two new people and they both have a little bit of experience. One, uh, I used as a subcontractor for a long time and he asked to come in house. Um, he was my metal guy. And so, and I'm so excited about him. Um, he's 65 years old. And so he's got 40 years of experience in the roofing industry. Um, but I've known him a long time and he's good people and he understands what I'm trying to do and he's on board. And then I hired another young lady uh, in San Antonio and she has a little bit of roofing experience and she's also uh, got her public adjusting license for insurance. So she has a lot of knowledge there, which is really nice. So yeah, I'm more looking for the attitude, the personality. Um, I've learned like the disc profile. I want people who are D's yeah. or what's the, is it? D I D's. Yes. D's and I's. Yeah. I've tried hiring the S's and C's and and those are great office people, um, but they're not great salespeople. And so I I try and stick with that outgoing pushy, but yeah. And um, if I'm in an interview and all they do is talk and about themselves and they don't listen at all, I I, I don't, that's not going to make a good salesperson. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm more looking for the personality more than anything. Do you find that you kind of do that with everybody that you hire? Because for me, uh, attitude is huge. Because you can be, I, I've had people during COVID, I'm sure this probably happened to you guys too, like shit just blew up. Like we we had 
doubled and grown so fast with the business anyways. But during COVID, it was like, holy shit, let's just find people that can work because we had so much work. It was crazy. So then when things kind of started settling down again, we were like, okay, we got to get the right people on the bus. So our big goal this year was to make our business stronger, like stronger people, stronger work ethic, stronger processes, stronger sales, like stronger everything. We have had this has definitely been the year of great turnover and rebirth of my company too, because those people that had been with me for a long time that just had kind of shitty attitudes, they could get the job done, but kind of had shitty attitudes. I let them go because it just was like infecting and poisoning all these people that had good attitudes. And it's been a very challenging time this year of like, trying to hire and retrain and like start with a new fresh crew of people. But in the long run, I really truly believe in my heart that was the right thing to do because it was starting to become a real toxic place for people that had great attitudes with the shitty attitude of people that could get the job done. So I know in the home service industry, many times I was talking to a coach yesterday and he was talking about how he has a hard time having people implement training stuff with their tenured people because they're just never going to do this. You know, they've been a plumber for 25 years. They're just never going to do this. And I said, well, that starts with the mindset and, and of the owner or the person that's giving direction. This isn't if you feel like doing this. This is who we are and what we do. So talk to me a little bit. Have you struggled with things like that within your business? And what are the kinds of things that you do to kind of curb that from happening, maybe with hiring practices or how you, the remediation works after you've identified it? So I, I firmly believe that happy employees make happy customers. And so my big thing is to make sure that I have happy employees because that it oozes out of the organization that that's happening. And um, if I don't have a lot of people quit, but if they do quit, I don't, I don't, I pay them for their two weeks if they're trying to give me a two week notice, but I don't want them here. And no matter how hard it is, how essential they are, because during that two weeks, I have found all they do is poison everybody else. They make sure that everybody else knows why they're not happy, why they're leaving, where they're going. Um, and it's, it, yeah. and they don't work. They're, they're just doing that. And so um, I let them go. Uh, and I try and do a lot of things to keep my employees happy. Uh, I have a extremely collaborative work environment. So we have, when, when there's an issue, when something goes wrong, we say, Hey, I'm not trying to embarrass you, whoever made the mistake, but let's just talk about what happened, how it happened and what we could do to make it different. And we all brainstorm ideas and we change like what you're talking about. We'll change our process because, and I, I believe in every customer complaint, no matter how unreasonable that customer is, how, no matter how big of a jerk they are, there is always a grain of truth in what they're trying to tell you about why they didn't have a good experience. And so we try and find that, identify it and say, how can we not have that happen anymore? And so it, a lot of things have been implemented from that. And my people don't feel like it's not my way or the highway. Every once in a while, I have to pull the boss card and say, like changing the name. I had people who thought roofer chicks, especially the men that worked here, they're like, that is terrible. We don't want to do that. If you do that, we'll quit. And I'm like, well, th that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to pull the boss card, but I don't do that very often. And none of them quit. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, I think that's just great leadership too, because you understand when it's time for collaboration and you understand when it's time to make a decision. And sometimes we have to do that. And maybe it's with people that we don't want to have to let go or that we don't want to have to have conversations with because they are pivotal, you know, like really important people in our business. But if it's not working and parts of your team realize that it's not working, we look like the idiots for not pulling the card. We look like the idiots for not being the leaders of the business that we actually started in the first place. Yeah. But if I can avoid that as much as possible and let them decide our own destiny, then they have ownership in this company and they feel like I'm a hundred percent owner. Uh, I don't ever want a business partner again, but they don't feel like that. They feel like it's theirs. It's their baby and they care. And like, if we get blown up on Facebook and somebody says something bad about us, it doesn't, it ruins all their weekends because it's their company. Yep. Like, and yeah, they don't just punch out and go That's home. That's when you know you've, yeah. yeah, that's when you know you've got a great team right there is when those reviews come in and someone is upset about something that has to do with, a re- you know, some some kind of bad review comes in and everyone goes to like, you know, everyone is like almost like you kick their puppy, you know, like, how dare you say that about my company? You know, it doesn't matter who it is. And that's how I know when I've got that great team and you've got the right people on the bus, per se, because everyone is invested as if they are an owner of the business. That's one of my biggest goals is to create a business so strong. No one really knows who the owner is. You know, many times my guys get mistaken for the owners when they're out in the field because they care. They talk to them. They're like, you must be the owner. They're like, no, it's the greatest compliment in the world to me. But I think that a lot of times people in the home service industry are very maybe jaded or a little defensive about that because they think if I give you all my secrets, then you're going to go out and do your own thing. And I think that we have to realize that the confidence starts with us in giving them great education and a great atmosphere to work in. Then we don't have to worry about that stuff. Yeah. We'll go through financial statements. I'll print them out like from my QuickBooks and print them out and hand them out and say, let's talk about this and just give them like business 101. Like here, you know, here's, here's our gross revenue. This is our gross profit. And look at this and like, and, and some of them care and some of them don't, but I think having that openness helps. Well, the transparency of things too, I think, especially, I love that you brought this up in the service industry is so incredibly important because many times in service industry businesses, people will track the sales is how many sales we made this month. We have a you know million dollar mark or a $2 million mark or $200,000 months. And many times the technicians or even people in the office will see, you made 200,000, we made $200,000. And some to some of them in their heads, they're thinking, Tanya just put $200,000 in her pocket. And so it's really important as business owners, if you want them to buy in on the dream and actually understand how the business works so they become that that really valuable player in the company, you have to explain to them what expenses look like and what overhead actually is. And at the end of the month, like this little tiny number is the one that's actually coming out, you know, like. 
we have a $15,000 profit out of $200,000. And then that goes into all the extra stuff that we need to get, you know, as a business, it doesn't just go in our pockets because many times they think, well, I'm making them all this money, but they don't understand what's going out the door either. When I got so transparent with my books was actually when there was no money and we were in trouble financially. And I kept trying to tell everybody that we were in trouble and I felt like they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I printed it out and I'm like, look, like we make this much money. We spent this much on materials and I needed their help or we were going under. And so it opened it up like, and they're like, well, how can we pay this much for health insurance? And, you know, and somebody who knew something about health insurance went and chased that down and, and they cut that number and how much for, why are we spending this much on our fleet? And so like it, and I just kept it that way. Then we got things turned around and like, well, it is what it is. I love that you did that because Many times people that own home service companies, or if you're a manager in one or something like that, any kind of business, many times when we're struggling, we try to keep it to ourselves and shuck on that responsibility ourselves. But I have also found too, that when I'm very vulnerable with my team and letting them know, like, we're fucking upside down with some shit right now. Like, we've got to sit down and look at this because we've got to be able to fix this. Not only are they very conscious of like, what expenses they may need to put out there, but I'm going to shop this or I'm going to negotiate prices with our vendors so that we can try to pull ourselves back out of this. Because if they're genuinely bought into the business, they want to help you when it's bad, just as much as they want to help you when it's good. Well, and when I did that, I said, this is where we're at. And it's, it's bad. It's real bad. Like you can leave if you want. I get it. You're, I mean, it's fine. You can go um, or yeah. you can stay and you can fight. And so, I mean, I lost a couple people and then everybody that stayed, they stayed to fight. So, and I couldn't have done it by myself. There's no way. Yeah. Yes. I love that you shared that. Thank you for doing that because hopefully that will give people some inspiration to be able to do that stuff. Because I think there is a lot of us in the home service industry since COVID, we all know during COVID home service industry blew up. That's why you have so many VCs out there now trying to buy up all these home service companies that are coming in on the back end of stuff being like, holy shit, that roofing company made $5 million last year. Or, you know, these plumbing companies are bringing in 12 mil every year. Like, I want a piece of this party. And you're seeing so many of these bigger people even bring on partners of VCs that are now like, you've got some kind of, you know, investment firm that's now your partner in these home service industries. Um, I think that during COVID, everything obviously blew up with that stuff. Things are coming down the pipe with things. Are you guys continuing to stay busy within your industry? Or is this something that you've kind of had to regroup after COVID and be like, shit, we need to focus on our numbers or we need to focus on SOPs or focus on, you know, particular things to keep our business rolling. Well, COVID was good to us. It was very good to us. Um, part of what was so good, honestly, was PPP funds that helped us a lot because that, that was when we were in financial problems. Um, I had also right during COVID, my bookkeeper embezzled me just to throw in a little bit more fun. So <laughs> I've been there. That's tough. <laughs> she got me good. She got me good. She was one of the ones that stayed to help me work through it. Um, <laughs> so 
COVID was good to us in that way with the PPP and the EIDL and all of those things. And also we were busy because people were home and they were doing it. Um, but being a roofing company, we are also extremely driven by God, by the storms. And so there was a hailstorm in 21 that affected our area. We're not storm chasers and we don't door knock, which makes us a little bit different than a lot of roofing companies out there. But so we got some hail in 21, we got a lot and we got some hail this year in 23. Um, and so we have stayed, our, our top line revenue has stayed the same the last three years. So just holding steady, which is good because we were, we were going up, 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 and we need to figure out how to make money here. And, and then, because you can increase your revenue for forever, but if you're not profitable and you don't know how to control those expenses and do all those things, it doesn't matter. I'm 5 million now. It, it doesn't matter if I'm 10 million, if I can't make it work at 5 million. And then, I mean, and you're just growing all your headaches too. So we're, we stayed here, we're holding steady and, and we're in a good spot financially. So next year we might, well, I hired a couple more salespeople and for me, a salesperson should do a million dollars. And so we should, we should at least go to six. Cause I hired two, if not seven. Sure. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is excellent. Um, so what's next for roofer chicks? Do you have any big plans for the next five years? Do you want to start a franchise? Like, what are you thinking? So my daughter is 15 and I don't think she's going to want to be a roofer, but I don't think she can make that decision at 15 or 12 or 11. You know, I think mean, I started this when she was four. Mm -hmm. So uh, my long-term thought is that I'll hang on to the company until she's 25, which is 10 years from now. That'll put me at 58. And to me, that's, I'm having fun right now and that would be a good time to um, do whatever, sell it or let the second generation come in or whatever we're going to do there. I would like to, right now I have three females that are laborers. I'd like to get that up to six. I've had it up to six and I've had a lot of challenges with that. It's, it's not for everybody. Um, and so I have a fourth girl starting on Monday, but six is a crew. And so right now I have them mostly doing repairs, but if I have six, then they can do re-roofs. And if I can get one crew going, then I could get two, right? So <laughs> just, that's, that's kind of, it, it's, it's harder than I thought. Um, retention has been hard. It, it was really hot this summer. So that was really hard. We had yeah. 65 days over a hundred. Yeah. But not all summers are like that. So um, I, we've kind of outgrown our building. And um, I'm in a property that zoned, it was residential and it got rezoned commercial. And so I don't have a shop. Um, sometimes I think I want a shop. Sometimes I don't think I want a shop that it, it brings its own problems. Inventory, we, we don't really carry inventory. Um, and, and so, yeah, and it creates a mess and who's gonna clean it and all of that. But I only have, I have 20 employees and I only have 10 parking spots. So that's a problem. And franchise, maybe I want, um, she's 15. I don't even want to mess with that until she's graduated from high school. Cause my first priority is to be her mom. And that's a huge activity, but I am working. I've hired somebody to document my processes and everything and start getting it together so that, um, when I'm ready, we have a lot of that together. So, um, yeah. right now it's all up here. Mostly we don't, we don't mm -hmm. have, we have a great process, but it's not documented. 
Um, I think I long, I would love to open a daycare in-house so that single moms can go to work and single moms can't afford to work a lot because the daycare price is so expensive that it doesn't make any sense for them to get a job. And then they're stuck in abusive situations or so I think it'd be really cool to have in-house daycare that is more than affordable so that I can put women to work, but that's kind of pie in the sky. Oh, I love that. Because if you've been a single mom before, you understand that sometimes you're deciding, do I do? I know for me, like when I was a single mom too, it was like, do I stay and have this hour and a half commute on both ends of my day? Because I can afford rent at this house and put my son in preschool or daycare or like, do I move into town and then put him in like way less than cool kind of daycare situation? And many times you're deciding, um, is it even worth it for me to even go to work? You know? So I, I love women that feel idea. Trapped. That is really um, cool. They, they feel like they have no skills, especially if they stayed home for 20 years and their husband was bringing in the check and, but you know, they don't, they're like, I don't have education. I don't have any skills. And so I'm just stuck in whatever this is. And, and like, you're not stuck. There's, there's a whole world out there that women don't even consider. And then, you know, on the other side of that, as an employer, we all complain that we can't find people to work, but we're discounting 50% of the workforce without even looking at them. So. Yes. Oh my God. That, that's a powerful statement there because it's true. It is true. Yeah. No wonder we can't find, <laughs> we're not looking. You got, you got to think outside the box. See, we just got to flip whole crew into females and then we can work this thing out you know i i remember even like as a single mom i went to get my hair done once and at the hair salon they offered child care and it was like five bucks an hour or something for child care and i was like that is the smartest thing ever because how many people don't do that because they can't spend i can't pay to get my hair done or i don't have a babysitter for my kid what am i supposed to do with them for three hours so i've always thought even just from that little experience of like Oh my gosh, that was so cool. And the whole reason she started it is because she had little girls and she didn't want to leave them at home with somebody else. So she hired that daycare provider to be at the salon, which I was like, that's what I'd like to do is just hire somebody. Yeah. But I have to be careful. Like I have to keep, it have to be separate uh, from like, you know, any tools or so I'd have to have a separate building or a separate floor or something, but, but sure, sure, sure. Well, that's a great goal to have anyways. Well, it has been so incredibly fun to speak with you, Amy, and just to learn more about your business, kind of the things that you guys do on the roofing side of things. I haven't talked to someone on the podcast before that's in roofing. So I love being able to learn the intricacies of different kinds of businesses, really learning what females can bring to the trades and the home service industry, because I do think it's different. And I'm not saying that it's any better or that it's worse, but it is definitely different. And I think this is an industry that need, needs a little shakeup. It's been the good old boys industry forever. Kind of like it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. But it, that doesn't make it run at high efficiency and effectiveness. I think it's got a little brokenness on it. You know, I think that there's time for some sunshine to get through the cracks there. Yes. Well, I super appreciate you having me on the show. It's been fun. I 
really enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Amy, at the end of every podcast, I always ask every female this because it's not only inspiration for a book I am writing, but I just love to learn what the phrase ladies kicking ass means to you. Means doing things to the best of your ability. And um, well, for me, doing it as well as at least, but probably better than my competitors. Very, very cool. Very cool. cool. Showing up every day and making that choice. It's just like what you said earlier, you know, women feel like they're stuck. You're one choice away from getting unstuck in any situation that you're in. It is really just a choice and you can choose to stay stuck or you can choose to get unstuck. So following that kind of advice. But in front of the other, like that's how you get unstuck, right? How you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. You just do it. Just go. Yep. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It really has been a pleasure. Thanks for being part of the Ladies Kicking Ass community. Cheers to all you badass women out there. Keep rocking your power, igniting your fire, and making waves in the service industry. If you loved today's episode, please do me a quick favor. Take a screenshot, post it, and tag us at Ladies Kicking Ass. Be sure to include the link to your favorite episode. Your support in spreading the word means the world to us as we aim to empower even more women. Hit that subscribe button to stay tuned for more kick-ass episodes. And don't forget, a five-star review is the ultimate high five. Connect with us on social media. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you for being part of our tribe. Now go kick some serious ass, lady. Hey there, ladies. Want to supercharge your personal growth journey with insights from the best in the business? I've got a treat for you. I have been raving throughout many of these podcasts about this incredible self-development app called Growth Day. Imagine learning from industry powerhouses like Mel Robbins, Ed Milet, my girl Lori Harder, Brenda Burchard, Mel Abraham, Lisa Bilyeu. Oh my gosh, there's so many more. And guess what? Every Wednesday, they teach live that you can watch them and interact with them through this app. It's so incredibly cool. Beyond their wisdom and live coaching sessions, there is another incredible feature that I am obsessed with, though. The journal section. I use it every single day, whether it's either to brain dump, reflect on my feelings, remember things from my business, or dive deep with their brilliant journal prompts. I'm never at a loss for words when I sit down to journal. How freaking amazing is that? And because you're part of our podcast family, there's a special treat awaiting you. Click the link in the show notes below to check it all out. Embark on an incredible journey with Growth Day. Remember, every new day is an opportunity to grow, reflect, and evolve. And that is what we do as ladies who are kicking ass.